Welcome to this Stroke Journey podcast, brought to you by the National Stroke Education Center at the University of Cincinnati, your premier source for comprehensive diagnostic and therapeutic stroke education from the pre-hospital and emergency settings through the ICU and rehabilitation. Please welcome today's host, Dr. William Knight. Hello, my name is Bill Knight, coming to you from the National Stroke Education Center here at the University of Cincinnati. Today, I'm thrilled to have my friend and partner, Dr. Charles Kircher, join me. Uh, Charles is one of the assistant professors in emergency medicine and also one of my partners in neurocritical care and on the stroke team. And today, we're going to be talking about the fundamentals of stroke uh, CT interpretation, probably from a little bit of a different angle. I've discussed this with some of our radiologists in the past, but I think having an emergency medicine viewpoint does bring a, a different real-time approach to how we tackle our, our, our image review in the emergency department. And so, Charlie, thanks for joining me today, and I'd like to jump right into, um, we've all learned the basics of reading non-con head CTs, and I think that, that you and I both you know, tell the residents and the learners that we, that we work with about read, the importance of reading your own films, but when it comes to something more complicated like cross-sectional imaging, and in particular the head, with something that's time-dependent like stroke, what is it that you use in your practice when specifically looking at non-con head CTs, particularly for stroke? Sure. No, that's a great question, Bill. And thanks for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Um, you know, I think that as emergency physicians, one of the best parts about our specialty is that we know a little bit about everything. And so no different than looking at a CT abdomen for free air. I think looking at a non-con head CT for blood is within the purview of emergency medicine. Really, there's such a difference between finding a hemorrhagic and an ischemic stroke in terms of your next priorities for the patient that we should uh, we should be able to look at our imaging. And when we're looking at our imaging, that's the first look thing I'm looking for. I'm looking for obvious hemorrhage or subarachnoid hemorrhage that would drastically change my management, call off any sort of stroke alert that's been set and start looking for um, other points in that patient's resuscitation. After that, after I've excluded blood, then I'm also looking for other things that might suggest that thrombolysis may have a higher risk profile for the patient. So for instance, someone who's had a prior stroke where this might just be recrudescence or someone who's had you know, evidence of an abscess or other prior intracranial surgery, a lot of the times our patients are unknown to us and we don't know their medical history. So when I see aneurysm clips or a craniotomy site or something like that, that tells me I need to do a little bit of extra digging. But I don't think that really practically speaking in a resuscitation bay that an em every emergency physician will be looking for specific windows to identify exactly where someone's early subacute stroke is. Um, I think the time is better spent evaluating the safety profile of thrombolysis and, uh, and mobilizing your team to treat patients quickly. Yeah, I think you bring up a, a good point, not, not just about the safety profile, but I think which is often lost in, in the ED is the, the purpose of the non-con head CT is more of that rule out rather than that rule in um, of, of looking for either the mimics or the other causes of those neurologic deficits. Is there any particular area, I mean, we all have our system that we go through that can be a common miss or places to, to look in order not to miss some of the things that you talked about? Yeah, I think the subdural space is really important. Most epidurals are pretty clear and going to come with a trauma history, but especially in the elderly populations, there are so many folks who are on antiplatelets already that may have chronic subdurals, and those can be isodense, as you know. So they can be subtle sometimes, but one can look for asymmetry in uh, in the sulci or compression of the sulci, compression of the ventricle, it's other signs to identify a subdural. And obviously the risk of thrombolysis or someone with the chronic subdural is significant. 
I totally agree with you. And I think that as emergency physicians that, that take call for a, a large regional stroke team, there are different aspects that we look at in a CT and, and not as a pun on words, but what is the aspect score? That's something that I think it's germane to our, our practice, but is that is that something that an emergency physician ought to know and use? And what is it? You know, so the aspect score was developed by stroke researchers at the University of Alberta almost 20 years ago. And it's common in the stroke world as a way to communicate between centers, to communicate between consultants, and to communicate for research purposes, much like an NIH stroke scale. However, it's done on the basis of the non-contrast head CT only, and there's no real clinical part of the score. It's done based exclusively on imaging. I think it's important for emergency physicians to know what it refers to. 10 is a perfect head CT with no sign of stroke, and every part of the middle cerebral artery distribution that's affected by stroke results in a one-point decrement on the aspect score. So if a radiologist reads a CT with an aspect of 6, we should know that that means that the patient has already suffered a moderately sized deficit on their non-contrast head CT. But I'm more interested as a stroke consultant in hearing a story about what the patient's physical exam looks like, what their last known well is, and any other contraindications to therapy, because your stroke consultants and radiologists are already looking for the details on the head CT. I think it's our job as emergency physicians to look for, you know, big reasons to call off a stroke alert, and then also to give our colleagues in the stroke world clinical information that's not available when you're talking to someone over telemedicine or on the phone so that together we can make the right decisions for stroke patients. I think that's huge. I think those are the two biggest areas that I think that we face when reading a, or, or looking at a head CT is that concept of the rule out, which ought to be the, the first quick and dirty, but then also being aware of that rule in, which is that diagnostic tool to potentially help us with uh, that aspect score, to score people who may already have some of those those early findings of an early ischemic stroke. Yeah, and the other thing, Bill, that's useful about the non-con that I think is sometimes overlooked is looking for obvious LVOs. So a hyperdense vessel sign can activate your um, your thrombectomy system before a, head, a CTA is completed in the right patient. So if one sees calcium where the middle cerebral artery typically is, to me, that's a, that's almost equivalent as seeing a CTA with an LVO, and I'm looking to activate at that point. Totally agree. I think the the punchline to this for us as emergency physicians is absolutely be looking at your own head CT, have a system to do it, and, and hopefully utilize some of these tricks and tips in order to evaluate a head CT. And that's pretty much all the time we have. Charlie, I really appreciate you joining me, and this is Bill Knight coming to you from the National Stroke Education Center. Thank you. Thanks, Bill. Thanks for listening today. This Stroke Journey podcast is a collaboration between the National Stroke Education Center, MCRAIG International, and MedEd On The Go. For more comprehensive, high-quality educational resources for healthcare professionals, please visit strokejourney.com.